Like this is a beautiful profession. It's a fantastic profession. It's a profession like no other because we get to be with people in the most profound, intimate, and exciting ways. And the biggest message I would give to any new coach is don't stop. Just don't stop. Life podcast. Now, in the autumn or fall of 2013, I made one of the best choices I've ever made in my life, and that was to enroll in Steve Chandler's Advanced Client Systems Coaching Prosperity School. And I made that choice at a Prosperous Coach event um, that Steve was running with Rich Litvin. And it was at that event in September 2013 that I first got a sense of what my guest today was all about. As she described in a very matter of fact and no nonsense way, how she understood that we all experience fear and feel fear, but um, I think she was talking about a particular prospect perhaps at the time, but she said, but I will not allow fear to be a factor in the actions I or my clients take. And I was quite struck by that. It was very powerful at the time. It's stayed with me since. And my experience of her was further expanded when I had a conversation with her after I'd asked a question in the classroom at Steve's ACS at one of those weekends. And she helped me see very clearly what I needed to do to move forward in my coaching business, not just with a specific issue, that I was having at the time, but more about how I was looking and therefore being in my coaching practice. And that conversation where she, well, how can I say, empathically kicked my butt, (laughs) for me, helped me yield such results that that conversation turned out to be worth um, the entire fee for the school. So my guest today, is Carolyn Freer-Jones. She's been coaching women and men for over 15 years, um, assisting them in their growth as leaders. And her clients include corporate executive, business owners, authors, lawyers, television hosts, salespeople, many more, many more people. And of course, there's much more to Carolyn that I could talk about, um, such as her role in um, developing the Uh, University of Santa Monica's soul-centered professional coaching program but you can read about all of that and I want to give you a sense of the Carolyn Freire Jones experience today Um, and I'm noticing (laughs) I'm noticing I'm just a tiny little bit nervous knowing that this guest does um, what you say kick ass as they say in our current hometown of Los Angeles Um, anyway so big big kick ass welcome to you today, Carolyn. Hello. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much. I so appreciated that very, um, let's call it, uh, just acknowledging uh, introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to be with you. And I'm excited to get to talk with you and to get to share and 
in any way I can be of service to you and the people who listen to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, you know, whenever I um, talk to anybody about the power of coaching and the power of, you know, a single conversation, I, I retell that story, um, mm. you know, of, of, of my experience at that, that weekend at ACS. It mm. just proved the point that, you know, a, a, any single conversation can change somebody's life. It really is an extraordinary thing, isn't it, that that can, that can occur? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm absolutely delighted we managed to get together to do this. Mm -hmm. um, when I came up with the idea of doing this podcast, yours was one of the first names on my list of guests I wanted. Um, and I'd love to come back to um, what you meant. I don't even know if you, you may not even remember saying it um, at that Prosperous Coach um, event. I'd love to come back to that about fear and the factor that, that, um, but that not being a factor in action we take. But let's start a little bit earlier than that. Can you tell us briefly how you came into the profession of coaching and then perhaps how you got to be at that event and and, sure. and, and at the ACS? Sure, I would love to. Um, you know, I my, the seeds of becoming a professional coach really started for me at the University of Santa Monica where I earned my graduate degree in spiritual psychology because I had gone there with sort of an inkling. I knew I would change careers. I just didn't know what career I'd go to. I'd thought I might want to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. And pretty quickly that became clear that it wasn't what I wanted to do. And in the classroom, in that classroom is really where transformation occurred for me in such a profound way that while I couldn't put a name on it, I knew I wanted to do that kind of work. It was so meaningful to me. And I had the opportunity a couple years later after I graduated, I'd already started working at the university. So I decided I wanted to do whatever I could to be involved in that work. And I took a job there as the director of marketing. And because that was my background back then. And what happened was I took a, another course that they offered called Consciousness, Health and Healing. And as a service project, I decided I was going to coach a few people. So completely pro bono. I, I mean, I'd known enough about coaching. I thought, well, I could do that. And I did it and I loved it. And that started there. And then probably within a year or so, I met Steve Chandler. And Steve Chandler, as what occurred for you, Phil, occurred for me. One conversation with him changed my life. And I decided I wanted him as my coach. And one of the things he said to me just stayed with me. When I mentioned briefly that I did a little bit of coaching, he just slowed down the conversation and was like, well, tell me more. And I shared about it. And he said, well, why aren't you doing that full time? And at that time, I, I would never even have thought about it. I mean, that was just sort of a, a crazy idea. And I said, I love what I'm doing. I mean, I like coaching. I just had no thoughts of doing that full time. But that's where it started. And, and it really took root there. And over time, I began to do more and more coaching on the side. And then I met my beloved best friend and business partner, Michelle Bauman. And she and I became friends. She decided to apply to the University of Santa Monica. And it was really her, in, in her, she was clear, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to leave the, the law profession. I'm going to become a coach. And she just said to me, I want to do stuff with you. Like, I want us to do stuff together. I think we could do workshops together. And that started to create the idea for me that I could do this full time. Like, that could be a real thing. Now, Steve thought that all along, by the way. It only <laughs> took me, oh, I don't know, six years to even consider that possibility. Wow. But that's where it all started. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more um, 
about the role that Michelle played in all of that? Oh, of course. So it's important, obviously, because some of the people who listen to you don't know, you know, Michelle passed away a little over a year ago and she's, she was, my gosh, she was like, she was, you know, I had Steve and we had Steve. So Steve coached us together when we decided we were going to do this. We were going to create these women coaching groups. And Michelle was someone who just was so, you know, she always thought it was me who was kind of the, the trailblazer, but in many ways it was Michelle because she lit an idea inside of me. You know, when she said to me, let's do stuff together, we had no idea that that would work. I mean, frankly, I didn't know. I mean, I thought, well, let's see. I loved her enough and she was so enthusiastic that I couldn't say no to her because she had that much enthusiasm. She made me, who people think I have a lot of enthusiasm, she made me feel like a zombie (laughs) comparatively. And she, you know, it started, so we did these groups and I was still working full time. She was still working full time, but they really took hold. I mean, Michelle had a lot of women in her world who just wanted to be around her. And when they started to do our groups, it just, it took, it caught fire. And she was really clear that she was heading out, even though she was scared, she was really clear about that. And I was sort of in this place of like, well, I don't want to be left out. I mean, I really, I joke with people. I say, really, it was only my fear of being left out that forced me into my new profession. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to be left behind in a certain way. And, And that wasn't totally true, but it was somewhat true. And that's where, to me, fear can serve if used properly. Hmm. You know, it really can. It's not like I don't have fear now, and I know you have fear, Phil, but if used properly, it can really be a lever. It can be a lever to move forward, not to get paralyzed. And Michelle's enthusiasm pulled me forward into my new life. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. I, I I use the term, and it's yeah, it was inspired from hearing what you spoke in the room that that at that at that event that we we don't have to give fear voting rights on what we do. Exactly. It's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Can you expand a little bit more, perhaps, on how you started working um, with clients professionally? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Um, So really that was through having a coach. So, you know, Phil, I know you subscribe to this. Like to me, having a coach as a professional coach for me is a requirement. To me, a coach, I really subscribe to what Steve Chandler says. A coach without a coach is like a boat without a sail. And I wouldn't have been able to move into this profession without having someone to guide me and to mentor me and to really partner with me as I started that fumbling, awkward you know, process into having conversations and learning enrollment. I mean, I had the benefit. I had been the director of admissions at the University of Santa Monica for close to nine years. So I moved out of marketing at the university into admissions, all really because of Steve, because Steve said to me, run as fast as you can into admissions. And I, at that time, I didn't even know about enrollment. I was like, why would I do that? And he said, because you will always know what you've done at the end of the day, it will be measurable and it will be a skill that will serve you for the rest of your life. And marketing, which I was in at the time, he said, marketing is like paper dolls for grownups. And I laughed, of course, but he was accurate. So I decided to lean into admissions and I loved it. So that's really where I started to learn how to enroll and really how to have meaningful conversations 
that moved the needle. And at that time, I was enrolling them into the University of Santa Monica's education. And I loved it because that education had changed my life so profoundly. So it worked perfectly for me. But then the idea and the experience of coaching people on my own, I loved it because I had a lot more freedom. You know, I wasn't coaching. I wasn't really talking to them about University of Santa Monica. I could just talk about whatever was going on in their lives. And I loved that kind of freedom where I could use my USM education in a much broader way. So Steve really started to assist me in learning how to enroll clients for money, how to actually make that work for me in my life. So initially it was for additional income and it was really helpful and I really loved actually getting paid for it. I mean, that was fun and that was important in my life. You know, I'm married and I have a daughter. At that time I did not have my daughter yet, but I'm married and in a situation where, you know, I love the fact that I'm a contributor in my family. I love the fact, you know, my husband makes good money in his work in television production and he's a significant contributor and we both are. And I love that. So that always was helpful to me because it motivated me. And that's how I started to enroll clients. And I had a tiny little coaching practice on the side, which made me very happy until it didn't until all of a sudden it was like, wow, I could do more. So the combination of having been at the university long enough where I started to see I've grown about as much as I can grow here. And then you add in the Michelle factor where there was all these things happening for us. And then my own internal calling just all merged together. And then I was, I sort of said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go full time. You know, you, you also touch on a, on a point here that I think a lot of coaches and myself included, I missed this. Um, mm. When I was in a corporate career and I'd, I'd been coaching on the side, just sort of some very, very small fees since um, 2005. Mm. But it was in 2000 and 2011, I decided, right, I'm jumping. I'm, go- I'm out. Um, mm. And I faffed around for quite some time, actually, until I came across the book, The Prosperous Coach, and came mm. across um, Rich and Steve's work. Um, what what you're, you're touching on here, actually, is how we can use our existing circumstances, be they a job or whatever, to to support us rather than seeing them as a hindrance. Absolutely. I mean, really, my job was a complete launching pad for me to take my next steps. If things had still continued to expand for me at the university, I wouldn't have been as inclined to leave. Hmm. And that was important. And it's not in any way and any againstness about the university. It's a fabulous place. Obviously, I continue to work there in a very different capacity. But the limits on what I could do there in my own leadership and my own growth had just, it's a small organization. I mean, it serves a lot of students, but the organization itself is small. So I had hit the limit on where I could go and that created pressure inside of me because I wanted to do more. So it was helpful. I mean, to me, it's the best thing ever when a job is no longer satisfying or or fulfilling because it creates movement. Yeah. Not easy. It's not comfortable, but it's certainly helpful because otherwise we'd all never take action potentially. Right. Right. I'd love to know really what your what your practice looks like now. I mean, um, mm. I got a sense of of the kind of work that you and Michelle were doing when I was in ACS, which was sort of two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. Um, and um, there was this lovely uh, you you guys gave a, a lovely 
talk actually in one of the sessions um around circles i don't know if you know what i mean by just saying that i do right i'd love you to 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 talk us through that and how that how um you built your practice on, on that basis sure and it's changed a lot as you can imagine in a certain way since michelle passed but the but the principles are all still there right in a way i'm very much in that process again um So when Michelle and I talked about that, when you were there, Phil, we were really talking about how do you create community? So how do you create community as a professional coach? Because as professional coaches, it is a, it is a gig. It is a profession where we actually need people. People are relevant, right? We can't coach, (laughs) we can't coach robots and we can't coach. Someone said to me recently, I tried to coach Siri on my phone and Siri's not very coachable, <laughs> right? So it's like human beings are part of this profession. So creating community as a coach is important, especially for many coaches who really want to coach. They don't have a lot of community. Some have lots, right? They come out of jobs and worlds where there are people all around them that that they can reach out to, that they can connect with. But there are coaches who certainly are much more, have smaller communities. They haven't, they don't haven't created that. So that circles conversation was really about how do you do that? How do you start to create community? And the way that Michelle and I did that, and that was with the small circle, it started with the people that we each knew. People we knew, I knew from my own profession previously at the University of Santa Monica, people Michelle knew from her world of law, that was where it began. And then from that circle, who people we invited to join us at complimentary days and things we were doing, then they came and they decided to do our group. And then it would build from there. So those circles started to become bigger. And our our ability to connect more started with that very initial circle. And as it was for both of us, because we both had really solid professional backgrounds, it was available. You know, we had people we could say, listen, we're doing something new and we would love to invite you to this thing that we're doing. And some came and some didn't. And, but people started to hear about it. So it kind of became this grassroots effort to broaden our circle And then we had individual clients. Our agreement as partners, and Michelle was really the one who established this, was that 50% of our income would come from our individual clients and 50% of our income would come from our joint work. So that was the model we worked with. And that was about it. Like, I want everyone to know, whoever listens to this, there wasn't a lot of like, there was no paper signing. There was no like fancy business plans, nothing at all other than that and sheer enthusiasm and willingness to try it, to mess up, to not know at all what we were doing. Like we didn't know we were doing at all. And we had our coach, Steve Chandler, and that's what made it all possible. So we were flying blind a lot of the time and we loved it. We had fun at that. See, for us, it was fun because it was just sort of ridiculous. Like we were making mistakes and <laughs> we would laugh and we would just, we didn't know what we were doing, but, but we knew enough both from our own lives and our own professions that we knew that we could, we knew that we could do it in the context of 
we had enough professional strength in our backgrounds that we both knew we can do this. We don't know how it will go. We don't know if we'll be good at it, but we knew enough from having lots of other projects we'd done in our lives. We could, we could at least get to the table. What would happen once we sat at the table, all, who knew? But we could get to the table and that we could at least try. Love that. And that's how it started. And really our coaching practices grew out of that. So we always had a model where we wanted coaching groups for women where women who might not be able to afford our individual rates could come and participate in that work. And also those groups could feed our individual practices to some extent because we had lots of different women who did those groups. We had women who were really powerful achievers in their lives and in their professional lives. And we had women who were stay-at-home moms and who were like in modest situations in their home life. And so our practices grew and we learned a ton by all of those experiences. And that's how the circles broadened, you know? So we had the group circle and then we had our individual practice circle. And we would offer these, you know, two or three complimentary days a year where it got to a point where it didn't, we knew our groups would continue to grow and fill, but the, the complimentary days themselves became ways to serve. So in other words, we had women who came to those and they never did our groups and they never became our clients and it was totally fine and we still loved it. How's that? Is that helpful? Yeah, Did, yeah definitely. Is that, is yeah, that, it's beautiful okay, to hear it again, actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. What I mean, you said, you know, you learned loads by <laughs> all of that work. Is there anything that particularly jump, jumps out for you when you look back? Oh, is yeah. Any, I mean, any, any embarrassing stories you can share? <laughs> yeah, I love embarrassing stories. I'm, I have so many. Um, you know, Michelle and I each... Uh, we, I, you know, I really, you know, I think there was, first of all, value, right? And I, and I say this to all coaches, whether it doesn't, you don't need a partner. I mean, it's not like Michelle and I were seeking partnership when we decided to work together. Mm. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't like I had thought, well, eventually I will partner with someone, nor did Michelle. That happened really organically. And it, as Michelle would say, that came out of love. It really came out of our friendship. And there was lots of benefits to that, though, because we had each other. So I always encourage coaches, find another coach that you're friends with and at least be willing to support each other. That's why Steve's school is so valuable. That's why other kinds of groups for coaches are so valuable. That's why the coaching program at the University of Santa Monica is so valuable because you're not alone then when you're terrified of, will I get another client? You're not alone then when you just had a horrible enrollment conversation. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories, uh, my favorite embarrassing story is a story that um, I love to share about Michelle and I, where we had this brilliant idea that our coach did not agree with at all. And it was that we were going to coach people together, not just our groups, but that Michelle and I would coach an individual together. Hmm. And our coach, Steve, was very much like, why? Why would any one person <laughs> need two coaches, let alone two of the two of you? <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, one of you is a lot. Two, but we just ignored him and we said, "No, we're gonna. We think there. We think we could do this, and we think there's value." So, 
Another coach um, who we had met in one of the early schools that Steve did, which was much smaller, referred this woman to us. And it was she was a senior executive at a bank. And she reached out to us and we set up a long conversation with her. And we had this long conversation where we both talked with her and we were at Michelle's house and we thought it was great. You know, we thought the conversation was going great. We were talking to her about her business and her life. And at the very end, we invited her to come and sit with us for another couple hours that we would sit with her for almost a half day. No fee, just come. Because she was in Virginia, I think, and we're in California. So we said, come to California. And she, at the end of the call, when we invited her, said, okay, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. And we said, great. You go think about it. Let's all connect in another week or two. And we hang up the phone. And we're like, that was great. That went so well. And just it just so happened that we had a coaching call with Steve shortly thereafter, like half an hour later, we get on the phone with him and we're so excited. And we're like, and we did this and we said this and went really well. And we invited her to come and sit with us for half a day, complimentary. And she said, she's going to think about it. And it was fantastic. And there's silence on the phone, which is very Steve Chandler. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're sort of like, Steve, what? Why? Why are you so quiet? And he said, what part of it went well? How, how could you possibly think it went well when you invited someone to come for a half day for free? She doesn't have to pay any money and she still needs to think about it. <laughs> how could that have gone well? And we just looked at each other and just started to laugh and laugh and laugh. Like the funniest thing that we were like, it went great. She's going to go think about it. And he's just, what part of I'm going to think about it went well? Like it was, we were early enough in our game that we just, we were, we were naive, right? We thought, well, she said she's going to think about it. And the idea of someone needing to think about free time indicates that something didn't go well. Right. And not that that's bad. It's, there's lots of learning in it. We learned a lot from that. So I'm sure this th- there's a million things, and um, whether you can pick anything else out, really. What, how is your? Because I'm I'm interested as well in what kind of client are you, and and yes. um, you know in 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 what ways has has working with Steve um, helped? Oh, gosh, I could go on for days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Days and days and days about how Steve Chandler has helped. I mean, you know, my clients have evolved in the context of, you know, initially when my fees were much lower, which was totally appropriate. Like, you know, I mean, I I always have coached people, you know, corporate executives at different levels, sometimes at earlier levels, you know, um, more junior. You know, now I would say the way my coaching practice has evolved, I coach more senior executives um, just because my fees now are different enough that that sometimes more junior executives are just aren't able to do my fees, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I coach corporate executives. I coach um, business owners, small business owners. Two of my favorite clients for that I've coached for a couple of years are these two male business owners who are partners. And they have this fantastic business. And I coach them both 
in their partnership, in the business, and in their lives. And that's super fun. And then I have people that I coach. I have a small handful of coaches that I coach. I don't coach only coaches because that's not the only conversation I want to be in. But I always have a few, and I love them. Um, I always like to say as coaches, we're tricky. You know, we're, we're tricky. It's a tricky, we have our lives and we have our business and we have our clients. So when I take on a coach, you know, I, I make a big commitment to them and I love it. And then I have people, gosh, right now, um, I had a couple of television people that I loved. They were really fun to coach. One in particular was this very successful international television host. And he was super fun to coach, wildly coachable. And I also coach people who are in transition. So, for example, right now I have a woman that I'm coaching who's runs a significant company and she's deeply unhappy. And she's questioning why she got herself into it and she's questioning how to get herself out of it. What is it that really draws you to people? What are you, what are you looking for when you know, you're mm-hmm. having exploratory conversations with people. I mean, I look for people who who are hungry. You know, I don't want people who just ate and they're 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 not, you know, they're nibbling but they're not that hungry. I want people who are hungry, who are really hungry for change. Now, change for me or transformation doesn't even have to be on the external. I mean, I love when someone has a big project, right? When they want to write a book or they want to switch jobs. But I'm really more interested, Phil, in the in- internal transformation. I mean, that's much more interesting to me because that's really where my most profound transformations have taken place in my own life. You know, it's not been, lots has changed in my life externally. But the true changes are the ones inside where I've let go of judgments and I've let go of being controlling in my life in different ways to some extent. It's not over yet, but considerably, as my husband would say, or he might not say, Um, but like letting go of being controlling and patterns of judgment and patterns of unworthiness. To me, those are where it gets really interesting and those are where the gold is, you know, our external lives can change radically and that can be fantastic and fun and we can make more money. And I love those games. Like I love assisting people in those games, but the, the greater value to me of where coaching can make a huge difference is on the inner, on assisting people in changing how they're relating to themselves, how they're relating to their lives how they see themselves. To me, that's where it gets really rich and meaningful and depthful. So I look for people who, while they may have things they want to change externally, who are really up for transformation internally, who are really up for changing how they're being with themselves. Because for most of us, the biggest challenge is our relationships with ourselves, how we relate, we relate to ourselves. Because how we relate to ourselves is how we relate to everybody else. If we're critical and judgmental of others, it starts with us. So that's super interesting to me. So I'm, I'm wondering about you as a client, because um, I'm, I'm totally with you. I agree with you. Um, a coach, having a coach is just 
magical. That's, that's the, the real catalyst, I think, in any coach's development. So I'm wondering how do you think you've changed as a client? Do you look at your sessions with your coach any differently mm-hmm. now? Do you approach them any differently? That's well, a really good question. I love that question. You know, they are different because, look, I'm in such different territory, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. really one of the reasons Steve has been so meaningful to me, especially now, is because he coached me when I was with Michelle. And he has really seen me through that transition and the transition I'm still in. Now, that's rare, right? Like, I, I don't know that every coach is going to have a client who loses their best friend and business partner and then helps them navigate that. That's a little unusual. Yeah. yeah. However, the depth of our relationship has created a way of him being able to serve me in this that's it wouldn't have been if I hadn't stayed with him, right? If I hadn't continued to choose into Steve as my coach, he wouldn't have the depth of knowledge about me, about Michelle and I, about what that's like for me. He has he wouldn't have any of that if I hadn't stayed with him as long as I did, nor when as much long as Michelle and I did. Now that doesn't mean. I'm not here to say you should stay with your coach for over 10 years. That's worked for me. Yeah. But it does say something like signing on for a coach and really getting in there and having them get to know you and get to know all the uncomfortable places inside and working with someone for a period of time. That's where like so much amazing stuff can happen later on because because the work gets deeper it just does so today my coaching sessions often with steve are about what it is like for me to be doing this solo and and all the different things going on for me around that what what how i feel about it what i think about it the places i'm afraid you know the new things i want to do as i venture out as more of a solo act You know, I'm taking on some new things, so I'm excited about those things, you know, venturing out as a solo act, because as I've said to people, you know, I'm a solo act now, but I'm not alone. Hmm. So I'm excited, you know, I'm excited to be in new conversations about leadership, because, you know, Phil, I'm guessing you've seen the news. There's a lot going on in the United States right now, (laughs) and I see a strong opportunity for each of us in our own lives to stand forward as leaders. And I'm, that's what I'm interested in right now. So Steve helps me with that. So what, what, um, let's get, let's get even more real and open and honest. (laughs) What, what's, um, currently not working? Hmm. Well, I mean, do you mean in my own life or in my own practice? In your own practice. Okay. Well, I mean, there's no, I can't really say there's anything that's quote unquote not working, you know, because I just, I, I don't, I don't feel that way. What right. I can say is that, um, look, I'm in a huge transition, you know, letting go of someone who was such a big part of my professional life and was so meaningful to me. So like I could make a joke with you, like what's not working is that Michelle's not here. Yeah. That's kind of not working. However, I don't really even feel that way anymore. You know, I feel like I'm adjusting and I don't want to, I'm not going to walk around in the world saying, you know, that's not working because 
obviously my partnership with Michelle, I see as divine, you know, so I see that we were brought together for a reason. I don't think it's a coincidence that I ended up with a business partner and best friend who ultimately ended up leaving, you know, ultimately ended up dying for me because I walk, I, my intention is to walk my talk. I'm using that for my learning growth and upliftment. So I'm going to become a better coach as a result of this experience for me. So I see you have this um, as part of your self-mastery for women's series. You've got this uh, one-day intensive coming up, women and leadership, shattering, shattering the inner glass. Mm. Um, and, and I had a look at that. I mean, I had a very dear friend um, come and attend a workshop that you and Michelle ran, I think, in late 2013. And, yes. And uh, this looks very typical of your work. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Because I'm also interested in what does leadership mean to you? Mm. So I'm really excited about that. You know, to me, as I just said, leadership is an important topic these days. And what I'm most interested in, and that one day is really going to do a deep dive on, is that this idea of the inner glass ceiling, right? Because women walk around in the world with, there's the glass ceiling, right? You know, you could look at the presidential election, and some people believe that what Hillary Clinton bumped up against was a glass ceiling, right? The glass ceiling that women experience in their professional lives in terms of growth. And I, I don't think we have to even discuss like whether or not there is a glass ceiling in the world. You know, my point of view is it's really obvious there is, but I'm not upset about that. See, I don't run around in the world saying the glass ceiling is wrong and it's bad. It's real. It's going to take a lot of time and effort and it's happening for the glass ceiling to dissolve but what I'm more interested in is the glass ceiling we've created inside of us as women because we participated and we allowed it and we have places inside of us where we bump up against our own glass ceiling and we don't even know it you know our own limitations our own doubts our own judgments so that one day is really going to be about shattering those because for every woman that's walking around saying, I, I couldn't get that job because there's a glass ceiling, there's another woman who busted right through it yeah. because she hasn't bought into that. And even if, you know, I don't even care, like lots of people, there are many people who don't like Hillary Clinton and that's totally fine and there are many people who like her. But, but one thing we know, she got closer to a job than any other one else has ever gotten as a woman. So we know that regardless of whether you like her or dislike her, there were some things she did in her professional life that she, she did not buy into inside of her. And I'm interested in that. So that's what that one day is going to be about. Because to me, leadership is about being willing to lead ourselves. It's really be about being willing to see our own blind spots and work with them and dissolve them so that we can serve others more effectively. Beautiful. So I'm super excited, as, yeah. it, as you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> well. So if you um, had all of the coaches mm. in the world, perhaps who had, had been <laughs> starting out, and well, I certainly fumbled along for a few years, actually, and I can yeah. say until Steve's school. Um, and it's been a bumpy ride. I won't pretend there's been times very, very bumpy ride since, actually. Uh, my own my own challenge, perhaps, is is consistency. Mm. But um, 
Yeah, so if you had uh, all of the coaches in a room for a minute, what would you share with them? Tell them. So if I had all the coaches in the world, I would love that, Phil. First of all, that'd be <laughs> the most exciting thing in my entire life to have all the coaches in the world in a room. I would like to have them in a room for more than a minute. And what I would say to them is this. Like, this is a beautiful profession. It's a fantastic profession. It's a profession like no other because we get to be with people in the most profound, intimate, and exciting ways. And the biggest message I would give to any new coach is don't stop. Just don't stop. That's one of the most important things. It's going to be bumpy. There's going to be big holes that you walk into. And then you're going to climb back out of them and you're going to find another hole. And the people who succeed at this profession are the people who are willing to stay in the game, to keep learning, to find people to learn from. Look for coaches who already have what you want, who already have a practice like the one you want, who already have work that they're doing that you would like to do, who can show you how to create that. Look for that. And just know the discomfort and the messiness and the mistakes, all of that is part of the journey. I wouldn't give any of those up because they've, they're they part of the developmental process. And you don't want to miss that. You know, when I meet coaches who've had a lot of success quickly and then they start to have the bumps and they get completely freaked out, I say to them, this is important you don't want to skip over the bumps. The bumps are where the learning is. It's how you become a better coach. It's how you become a better enroller. So to me, it's like I just I would invite everyone who's a coach, new season, to continue to learn and grow and just stay in the game. Thank you for that. Um, one thing I really get about you is that you own it all. Just mm. own own it all. I, I do. That. Yeah. I do. And I look and I, I have lots of messiness that I work with. You know, it's like I still get scared. I still get uncomfortable. I'm in a whole new wave of that. Right. But like I said to you many years ago, Phil, it's like I'm not going to let the fear of, you know, going out on my own in a new way stop me. Beautiful. So just as we reflect on the on the profession, I'm, I'm kind of curious actually because um, you know I follow you on Facebook, but you you're not one of those coaches that's positioning yourself on Facebook in mm -hmm. social media. Mm -hmm. um, how are people finding you now? Because I, I get it. There's a, once you get a community, there's momentum in that, but presumably new people are finding you. How, how is that? How is that growing and developing organically? That's a great question. Um, you know, Phil, one of the things obviously I'm looking at, and I'm more than happy for anyone in your world, you can always friend me on Facebook, Carolyn Freyer Jones. And no, I don't, I don't do, you'll see a lot more activity from me on Facebook because that will be a place I talk about these one day intensives. I'm actually going to be doing a series of them. So I'll, I'll be sharing more about that and talking more about leadership about the first one. The way that people really have found me up until now is through two, like a couple channels. There is the community that Michelle and I built. And that, that became a pretty large community of women. So that one day intensive that I'll be doing on women in leadership, that's the initial group that I'm inviting into that. And then 
because of the nature of the event. It's one day. It's not an expensive event. I mean, it's $155, and I did that intentionally because I wanted to make it a low bar where women could come and new women could come and get a taste. So I'm sharing about it within that community, and then they're sharing it with others, and then I'll be sharing about it on Facebook. And then I'm going to be looking at some other ways of sharing about what I do through some speaking engagements and things of that nature. So those circles are still in play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And look, I took a pause, right? I paused on growing my circles mm. when Michelle was very ill and then Michelle died. And that was appropriate. Yeah. It was yeah. appropriate. And now I'm being called back out into the world to serve in terms of the work that we did and to take that work further. And that's an honor and a privilege to get to do that. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Carolyn. I want to honor your time and, and honor our listeners time. You know, I, I don't want to harp on about it perhaps, but I'm, I'm just so grateful for that, for that conversation that we had those years ago. It, it, it did change. It's everything shifted in that moment. Mm -hmm. It was one of those, um, where it did, it, it felt like the ground moved under, under my feet. Um, mm. and, and I don't even remember everything you said, which is often the case, isn't it? We just remember and feel the shift. Um, so I so appreciate you and it's, it's, it's lovely to, to see you out and about and, uh, seeing you, seeing you running this event. Um, mm. how can people make, make contact with you? Obviously I'll, I'll, I'll include links as well in the show notes, but how can, how can anybody make contact with you? Well, like I said, you're, anyone is welcome to friend me on Facebook, and that's probably one of the best ways for people to start to hear more about what I'm going to be doing over the next coming months in terms of a coaching capacity. So it's Carolyn Frayer Jones. And then there's my website, which is carolynfrayerjones.com. And then there's the selfmasteryforwomen.org. So that's another way. So those are ways. And then within those, my email is in there. And if people want to reach out to me personally, they are more than welcome to. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. This was great. So that was Carolyn Freya-Jones. What did you think? I'd love to know. I'd love to know. For me... I love how Carolyn owns it all. She absolutely owns all of it. You know, the messy parts, the bumpy parts, the mistakes, if we can call them that, as well as, of course, all of the successes. You know, in, in talking to her, actually, it, it kind of feels like it is all a success, which, of course, it is in as far as it's all for us. It's all for us to learn and to help us to be of service and to serve. Uh, it's just it's just so empowering how Carolyn embraces it all. I love her determination to serve, irrespective of fear. I loved how she said she will always get to the table. She doesn't always know what's going to happen once they once once she gets to the table, but she will get to the table. I absolutely love that. That's such a such a beautiful uh, approach to this work. As I've said, um, I'd love to know what you think, what you've got from this wonderful conversation or indeed any of the others. And yes, um, I'm going to give you another little reminder and little request that if you have enjoyed this or any of the other episodes, head on over to iTunes and leave a brief and honest review, which will help others find this podcast. 
very excited um got some amazing guests lined up coming soon um, a few in the diary already i'm so excited about all of them some i'm super super excited about that's a that's a little clue by the way so yes thank you for listening keep listening remember to have fun and as always i wish you much love and joy